Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Hey everybody, this is Marnie Sleiberg and I welcome you to our latest edition of Marnie's Friends and I am back from Africa, had a wonderful, wonderful time and I'm going to be sharing with you a very brief trip update here at the beginning of the show and then introducing our two guests today who will be helping us help you think through if you ever want to take a trip to Africa, maybe you've been invited to speak there or thinking you want to go there sometime in the future, got all kinds of good stuff and tips and advice for you as the hour goes by. So as we begin this hour, I'd like to start by just giving you a brief overview for about eight to 10 minutes here of my 17 days that I was gone from the U.S. to go to Africa to do speaking engagements. And first of all, I want to just tell you that my experience was awesome. It was amazing. I went with two terrific ladies from womenspeakers.com, Dr. Cheryl Geisberg-Turner, as well as Pastor Sharon Herkins, and we had a fantastic time. It was fun. We've known each other online for years through womenspeakers.com and our ministries online, but Our first time to meet face-to-face was in Amsterdam at the airport, and yet when we were in Africa, the Africans would say to us, you are three, but you are one, and that was a God thing that we were able to have such unity in our team. It was so fun to travel with them and to see how God just provided for uh, all of the different kind of angles of care and what we needed. Uh, We would give each other what we needed, and they were so incredibly supportive of me, so I was really grateful and honored for that. And if you had wanted to go with on that trip and didn't get chosen, that's okay. God has you in mind for something else, for something different, and just keep watching for his opportunities. As I think about going to Africa, we were hosted by uh, Pastor Samuel Wafula and his father, uh, Bishop Mike Wafula, and their ministry is huge. It's also uh, very heart-based. It's, it's Christ-centered and heart-based. And while a lot of times, and you'll hear this later during this conversation about preparing for a trip to Africa, a lot of the ministries in Africa really are takers. They they really don't know how to give. Um, this particular ministry was very generous in giving. Um, they took good care of us. They um, They said, you know, there would be so many people. And in fact, I wanted to share some numbers with you because it was pretty amazing. Um, first of all, their basic ministry, their Sam, Pastor Samuel's ministry has um, an orphanage that has a school for 170 orphans, orphans and they, they house about 15 to 20 of them there at the mission at a time. The rest of the children are out among their church members. So each church family takes three to five children home into their homes with them. They're in Kenya, Africa, raising the kids. They bring them back to the mission for school, and the mission helps. So it's just an amazing ministry. I just keep thinking, you know, what what would it look like if in America we did that, if each church family took in three to five needy children? Um, it would change the whole world. It would just change things so much. Uh, beyond that, they also have a shelter for widows and for destitute women and their children, and so that's very a uh, huge ministry just for that aspect of the ministry alone. They estimate it costs about 1500 U.S. dollars a month just for the food for that ministry alone. 
And these guys are out there. They're working with very poor people. They don't have a lot of funds coming in. And yet they are very responsible with the money that God provides to them. The conferences that we did, we did a pastor's conference. And they were hoping, they were looking for maybe 70 pastors to come in. Uh, 180, 180 pastors came to that the women's, the International Women's Conference. We were hoping for six countries. So we were had five countries that came and uh, brought women to the conference. And they were hoping maybe there for about 500, just over 500. Uh, there was funding for just over 500, but close to 700 women came. Again, the church just pays the difference there. And in Africa, unlike, I mean, can you imagine this happening in America? In Africa, when the church hosts the conference, they provide you know, the, some of the transportation, they provide the food, they provide the bedding. Um, they actually take care of the women when they're there. The women don't pay. In fact, the church pays their expenses to come. So imagine what that would look like, you know, if, if our big conferences, if the hosts of the conferences had to pay for everything, uh, it would just be crazy. But yet in Kenya, because it's such an impoverished country, that's how the government and that's how different people have gotten people to come to their conferences is they've paid for everything. And so there's this expectation there. So the burden on these ministries is quite heavy financially. And they're they're teaching their they're teaching their congregations and their people how to help and how to share. You know, their their people will take care of three to five kids, whereas our, you know, in the United States, not so likely that we could get all of our congregations to do that. So there's pros and cons, there's very big differences between the cultures. We're going to talk about that more as the hour goes by, too. The Business Women Conference, those are so fun. And the one in Katali, they were hoping for 150 women. The first day, 175 women showed up. And, in fact, it just kept growing. So they rented a tent for 350 women, blew that out. It was over 400 women there in Katali that got certificates then for completing the Business Women's Conference. So we had an amazing time. We saw God all throughout everything, uh, right from the very beginning, it was evident that there was so much prayer and so much preparation and prayer and fasting that had gone on. And so the very first day of the, of the women's conference, when we, we ministered to them and then we stayed until about nine o'clock, we were exhausted. They took us back to our hotel. And what, after we left, the women stayed and prayed together until two in the morning. That was the first night of the International Women's Conference. And this was how it went. God was so amazingly powerful. We saw a lot of freedom. I, I describe it like I could just almost hear the chains falling off. <laughs> That's how I felt when I was there was that God was just doing such a deep healing work in people's lives that um, they were experiencing so much freedom and people would just, the uh, women would touch me on the arm and just say, thank you, I am free, or thank you, I am healed, or thank you, I needed to, I needed to hear that. Um, we had one-on-one -on -one conversations with several people, as well as with the women's ministry leaders from the five countries that were represented, which was just absolutely amazing. I could go on and on and on and on because it was 17 days and it was so full, funniest moment. Uh, we're going to progress right now to uh, the speaker training in just a moment here, but funniest moment for me was I had come out of speaking 
in a building and I was wearing dresses. I always wore dresses over there. I was wearing a dress. And so the only thing showing on my skin was a little bit of my arm was showing and some children had come up behind me and I didn't know they were behind me. And I turned around uh, to, to greet whoever was behind me and there were these children. And when they saw my white American face, which they had never obviously seen a white person before, <laughs> their eyes got just as huge as saucers and they screamed and they ran away or backed away so fast and then they came back realizing I was just a person I wasn't a ghost but it was hilarious it was really a funny moment um another time I was meeting with the international um the women's ministry leaders from four countries and there were two from each country and three from one country and we were sitting around this table and right next to me in the chair next to me was a chicken and so whenever I tell this story everybody says well why was there a chicken next to you and I have to just say the thing that we learned to say the whole time we were there as well because it's Africa and so that was kind of uh, our joke whenever things would happen that we couldn't really understand or that we couldn't get our head around we would just say well it's Africa it's just Africa and we're going to talk about that as the hour goes by too and um, something that was kind of shocking is that there's um, at least in in Tolly in the areas that we were in we never saw a stoplight or a stop sign <coughs> excuse me and so the traffic was pretty chaotic all the time and we were doing a lot of praying as we were driving. Um, there was at one point our driver in Nairobi, uh, his name was Dennis, and he was a very good driver, kind of aggressive. I mean, he you have to be an aggressive driver there to survive. Anyway, um, there was this big city bus that just came by and kind of just pulled right in front of him. And I was surprised because usually he wouldn't let somebody just come in like that. And there were these guys that were hanging out the side of the bus. And so anyway, when the bus pulled in, I said, I said, um, I said, Dennis, you let that bus right in. And he goes, oh, yeah, or they'd shoot me. And so I think there's just some real differences between uh, America and Africa, and that's okay. But it is kind of funny to, to consider um, the differences there and um, to just recognize how totally different things were. At this time, I'd like to introduce our guests today because we have two wonderful guests. First of all, Sharon Herkins. She is one of the speakers that went with on this trip to Africa. She's also a Native African. She is born in South Africa. And so she has been in full-time ministry in the United States now with her husband for almost 30 years. And she has a degree um, in nutritional counseling. She's also an ordained pastor a professional life coach and a success principles coach. And she's here to share with us about uh, a little bit of her experience and kind of some insights into traveling to Africa. Also here with us is counselor Pauline Berthwick, and she travels worldwide preaching, teaching, and ministering to mind, body, emotions, and spirit. She brings uh, God through her, brings inner healing, intercession, and deliverance around the world. And so at this time, I would like to introduce you guys. about some questions that we need to ask. And uh, Pauline, let's where you travel to Africa. Do you have some specific questions that you like to ask your hosts that will help clarify things? Um, I do. I travel there a lot, though, so I actually send them an email ahead of time with my expectations and my parameters or boundaries, I guess you could say. Um, I do ask for references. I don't always use them because I'm communicating usually on Facebook with the people that are going to host me. 
So I'm getting to know their heart in that way. But it's really important, I think, for people to ask for references, especially if they've never been there before. And many of them won't have references from the U.S. because they may just be inviting for the first time. So I would recommend that if they can communicate with those people that are wanting to host them often, whether it be by email or or Facebook or some way, that can be really helpful. I usually ask if they've arranged or organized meetings before. Right. Um, it it doesn't necessarily... It, some people there might think that that's going to in, impact my decision, but it really doesn't. I just want to know what's the level of you know, experience that these people have. Sure. And um, are they located in a rural village or in a town? Which is really, I think, an important question because... Um, traveling in rural Africa is very different and ministering is in, in that area is very different than in a town. And who will take responsibility for my safety and security and who is going to arrange the transportation? So I think um, getting phone names and phone numbers of more than just the one person who's contacting you is probably important. Um, and that can be when you get there, you might something might happen, and you might need to contact other people there. And then, where will I stay? I'm God's given me some pretty specific direction, and um, I usually stay in a pastor's home. Personally, I feel safer that way, just because I'm always with somebody, you know. But it's also really builds fellowship. So, but that would make some people very uncomfortable, I know. So. Right. Um, I think it's asking where will I stay um, as their electricity. You know, if, if I'm staying in the pastor's home or, you know, that's important for me to know is there electricity. Um, but if you're going to be in a hotel, of course, there will be electricity in most of those situations. Um, then I often ask, do they have a sound system? Um, what kind of transportation will we use? How far will I need to be walking? Um, because sometimes they'll expect or think that you can walk as far as they do, and I don't like to walk that far. So, um, some and and for me, I've used motorbike. I've been transported on the motorbikes and um, whatever. But if they have a vehicle, or are are we going to need to rent a rent a car? Those kind of things are important to know. Um, and then how will finances be handled? I think this is really, really important to get clear expectations. Um, but I think it's important for people who are going to know ahead of time what they can and cannot do. Um, because in some of the other questions that we'll talk about, I can talk more about that, but it can be a big issue. The finances can be. Sure. And then I guess um, do... Do a few bugs freak me out? <laughs> That's a personal <laughs> question to ask. <laughs> because um, I've stayed in hotels with co- big cockroaches in them and things right. like that, and right. you can't just you can't just expect everything to be the same as America, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or wherever. And then I think, am I flexible? These are personal questions now. Am I flexible? Can I love and forgive if I get offended? Because um, when you go into a different culture that you don't understand, you don't know, it's easy to get upset or offended. And then are we, are we allowing ourselves to be transformed by Jesus so that we can handle that 
and be forgiving and flexible. And I love that. I think then also, do I have a passport (laughs) for six months beyond the end of travel? Because if you don't, that can stop your whole trip. Um, Also, your necessary immunizations. That's really important to check that you have those. Um, I don't know about how people, how long people go, but I often go for two and a half months or two months. So I need to have know how I'm going to communicate back home. I need to have a phone where I can get one of their local SIM cards. And so that's some other questions. That um, also, if people are interested to find out, you know, what does the, our government say about that nation? They can go to travel.state.gov to get travel alerts and warnings for that nation. So those are a few things, I guess. Oh, wow. Those are fantastic. That was a long list and all so important. Sharon, I know that Paulina's covered a lot. Wanted to add here? It's very big. I would make sure that um, I, I have someone to speak to about the group or if they're a real group or if it's just um, a money-making thing, if they just want you to come because of money that they want to get money from you. So I need to establish that it's a real organization and that they really want the woman's retreat or whatever they want and not just um, a mission. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, and and Sharon, you and I have had a conversation about this before with Africans in particular. You know, are they inviting you to a speaking event or are they really looking for a mission that's going to come and help them with their orphanage and adopt children or build a bathroom or, you know, it's it's such a different thing. It's a big difference. Yeah, that's not my gifting, you know, so then I'm not the right person. These questions are so great. I went to cultural mindsets here in just a moment, and it's so important to understand that. As far as when you're asking questions, like what is a red flag for you? Um, Pauline, let's go back. Do you have anything that just, okay, this is a huge red flag for me. Well, many times when people will invite me, they say, I can can host a great big meeting. I can have like 500 people there. That's a big red flag right there because most of these People have ministries that are 50 people at the most, you know, and um, it's like they're trying to impress you that they have some big ministry. Um, And these are those people, I think, that are in business or some of them don't even have a ministry on the ground. So the reference is important. However, many people will not have those references. So that's why, um, for me, I do try to communicate with them and, you know, it is. It's a challenge. It's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sharon. How about for you? Is there a red flag that you watch for? Yes, I do find that they that to them, lying is not um, as serious as what it is to us. Yes. So they will tell <laughs> lies about their ministries or about what they can give you or do for you. And so um, I normally try to test the waters there, just to make sure that. Love that. I don't jump in, and it's totally, completely different to what I was told. 
Yeah, that's so great. Let's go ahead and talk then about that cultural mindset because it is so different. And what we would call a lie or what we would call stealing, like promising to pay for something and then not doing it and just kind of forgetting about it. Um, Those things we wouldn't accept as normal here in the U.S., but they are fairly normal in Africa. And so, um, Sharon, I, I loved Pauline earlier. You mentioned, you know, are you willing to love and forgive when you get offended? And I think going to Africa, you really have to be prepared yeah. to be extremely flexible, uh, very forgiving, uh, while still having some boundaries. So, Sharon, let's talk about first um you know, the culture, you're a South African to begin with. You were born there, so you're so familiar with this way of thinking, and yet you've lived in the United States now for over 20 years. So what can, help us understand the cultural mindset. It really changes, though, um, and I'm sure the cultural mindset in the United States changes as well. You know, we, our moral right. standings and everything changes. And so... It is very, very difficult to understand how they're thinking because they can't communicate from Swahili or whatever they're doing into English the way we would understand a sentence. So they would just say, yes, 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 yes. In the meanwhile, they'll take you to a hotel that's totally not what you were told you were going to go to or they won't feed you or, you know, all the time frame is different. If they tell you 7 o'clock in the morning, it could be 9, 10, 11, and they're not frazzled at all that you, right. are, that you are frazzled. <laughs> so, so it's really you just got to go with the flow. You're right. You have to be extremely flexible. Mm. I, I I was thinking about um, Elizabeth Elliot, how she defined flexibility or humility as flexibility, and that was her definition of humility is to just be flexible. And certainly when you're in Africa, um, uh, we were just there, uh, Pauline, Sharon, and I, and, and Cheryl Geisberg were just there. And it was so funny because whenever something like say, well, we're in Africa, you know, I mean, we have an, a thing. It's called T-I-A, this is Africa. (laughs) I was explaining, I was explaining to some people that I was having a meeting with the national leaders from, uh, from four countries and we were all around this table and there were about nine of us and right next to me on a chair was a chicken. And whenever I tell this story, everybody goes, why was there a chicken next to you? And I said, because we were in Africa. And so, you know, you just have to say, okay, it's not going to be like what you're used to. And you're just well, my, hu- that. <laughs> my husband joined me in this last trip. And I didn't, I was hoping he wouldn't find out that there was a chicken and her chick sleeping under the bed before, oh, no. <laughs> he, before he went to sleep. And in the morning, not only was the chicken and her chicks there, but the rooster was in there too. And the rooster started crowing, and my husband said, that rooster sounds like it's right in the house. And I said, it is. Under the bed. <laughs> because we're in Africa. And, and he says, you stretch me. You stretch me. Yeah. yeah, it is. You know, that's such a great that's such a great phrase there because a trip to Africa definitely does stretch us in every way from um, being able to trust God with the insane traffic 
and the situations that you find yourself in all the way to, you know, things just not going the way you expect. You know, sometimes when we were there, we'd be just in the dark, no, no generator, no microphone, uh, you know, hundreds of people mm-hmm. and just totally in the dark. And <laughs> that's just how it was. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of go with it and roll with it. So mm-hmm. I think from my side, um, cultural mindsets, I think one of the things that a couple things that were kind of surprising to me that I wanted to touch on, and then I'll pass it back to you guys for a few moments. But um, one was that if I used the word blessing, that they assumed I meant money. And that was pretty shocking to me. I wanted to pray a blessing on someone, and they held their hand out to receive <laughs> to receive money from me. Oh and goodness. that was just a cultural mindset. And I think in the United States, we do use the word prosperity the same. God means prosper your soul, prosper your children, prosper your life. And we always think prosperity means money. Well, there, they think blessing means money. And so I think some of these things, just to comprehend that there's going to be some differences of how you define things, and it's okay. You just have to you know, work through those. Another thing that was really um, sad to me and yet exciting to me to be able to see it was of slavery, the slavery mentality that I saw there where a slave is not allowed to own property nor to earn anything for themselves. Everything they do is just they have to do it and then they get whatever they get. And it's not like a direct response to it. And I could see as we were doing the teachings there that a lot of that thinking has carried over still into today's uh, culture, especially um, outside of the city and the rural, more uh, poverty-stricken areas where they still really don't have a clear idea that they are allowed to. And even God wants them to take responsibility for their life and for what they have and to um, for them to do their part there instead of just always having their hand out. And so those kind of things were shocking to me. Sharon, was there anything that really struck you as far as a cultural mindset that would help somebody who's going for the first time? Well, also, um, have blank stares on their faces or are not um, receiving it. It's just that they're so used to not being allowed to express themselves or they are told when they're allowed to sit and jump and stand. And so when you're speaking to them, you just got to get over that mind, that facial expression and know that God is getting through to them. So to me, that was very hard mm, to see. Th- and, yet, and yet they were receiving. Yeah, good. How about you, Pauline? Well, going back to that thing you were just mentioning about um, the slavery mindset, one of the things the Lord spoke to me about going there is he said that um, there's a white missionary curse that we're dealing with, hmm. which the many times the missionaries would go and they would do everything. They would set up everything right. and they created a dependency. And right. he also said it was related to colonization. So those are the roots, the, the things in the roots that really do affect um, the mindset of, of people expecting that, um, and I find they have a belief, all Americans are wealthy, right. and if I connect <laughs> to one of them, they can be my Mzungu. In, in, in Swahili, Mzungu is the white person, um, and they consider them that you are now their sponsor, their property, and, um, and that they don't want anyone else to talk to you or to connect to you or anything like that. I have been fairly successful to overcome that because of my calling and because of the boundaries and how I present myself. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm very, very clear, and I know from the Lord that I am not a funder. And that from the very beginning 
um, that is out front, and people know that. And um, if they if they're looking for a funder, it's not me, and I can send them on their way. <laughs> and so the people that invite me are willing. Um, actually, uh, they have to host the meeting. They have to cover all the costs and everything, which many um, that's a cultural mindset also. Many expect you to fund the meeting, that you will pay for the food for all the attendees, even yeah. be paying transport for them, renting sound equipment, and all of that. Now, if you have, I, God didn't give me resources for that, and he told me I'm not to do that. So yeah. um, I'm really blessed and thankful that, the, that God gave me very clear guidelines about how I'm going to function because it's helped me. It's those safety and security things you talked about. It's mm-hmm. been having having good boundaries and knowing what they are is helpful. It's interesting. This is Marnie, and it's interesting because before we went, um, God was really clear with me about that too. That um, I saw a picture in my head of most Americans coming and being the person that lays their hands on people, being the person that does it all. And I wasn't supposed to go do that. I was supposed to be the one that equips them to be the hands, equips mm-hmm. them to be the person mm-hmm. that does it. And that is a real different mindset for them. Yeah. And it it was it was really interesting to watch how hard they struggled to even mm-hmm. comprehend what we yeah. were trying to communicate. Uh, Sharon, what are your thoughts there? I don't even know <clears throat> if they really got that part. I still think that they, you know, because um, they were, they just were all waiting, and then I'm waiting to be contacted for money. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. they yeah. love you, they tell you they love you, they want to establish a a partnership, and you know what that partnership Partnership is. means money. <laughs> yeah, that's like it. blessing, that's right. It's like blessing, yes. right, yeah. yeah. So I, and I, think the, I think the thing to remember here is that God is sending, God sent us, God sends you, Pauline, uh, mm-hmm. to do a particular work and to accomplish a particular thing, and it isn't to cure them of every, um, every uh, lie that for their, you know, generations. Okay. Uh, that that wasn't why we went or why we go. What right. we go is to do what he asks us to do and to let him continue the work in the heart, just yeah, like we yeah. do even when we minister yeah. in the States. It is just different because it kind of takes your uh, takes you by surprise the depth mm-hmm. of the dependency that they yeah. express yeah. toward you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Good. Um, so, Sharon, do you have a list of, like, when you speak, do you have parameters um that that you set in advance before you speak, even in the States, but especially when you go abroad? Normally the parameters um, are easy to set in the States, you know. It's like you will have your accommodation, you'll have your transportation and your safety. You'll be safe. You know, you go to an area yeah. where you know you're going to be safe. Um, but going overseas, you can't guarantee any of those things. So preferably I would want to have someone with me. So that I know, you know, normally it's safer to be the two than the likelihood of you being kidnapped or something is not as easy. <laughs> I know kidnapping is is not something that we're looking forward to. But <laughs> that's the parameters I would like to set, yep. that um, okay. I, have, yep. I have someone with me and that they'll be taken care of as well. Yeah. How about you, Pauline? Um. Yeah, amazingly, I do travel alone sometimes. Uh-huh. At first I started um, traveling with someone, and I agree that that's a really good idea. Um, 
but I want to know who's going to be responsible for my safety and security. And I'd like to have two or three names and phone numbers um, so that if I get there and something person's not there or whatever, I've got some way to call, you know, con- at least a way, a number to contact another person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, some of the things I do uh, suggest is to get the address and phone number for the U.S. embassies there and that you should have that on your um, possession. Um, I use a money belt uh, mm-hmm. or and or I think this is on my packing list. I don't know what I yes. called it on there, but it's called it's it's like a football girdle. It's, I was looking it up online trying to see what it's called, but it's um it's like a you know how a woman wear a girdle. It it covers you know your your mid thigh, um but these football girdles have pockets in them for the football players to put their pads in, and so. I use that. I can put my passport in a plastic bag and put it inside there. I can put some money in there. I can put um, some wet wipes in there and some toilet paper. So when you find yourself in a situation where there isn't those things available, you have those, and um, that makes me feel secure to have my passport right on my person. It would be very difficult to get that off of me. Um, And then there's a program called STEP, which is Smart Travelers Enrollment Program. I've never used that, but you can receive travel and safety updates while you're away. And um, I think having a phone number of people on you. Then the yeah. the other thing is is carrying, um, I, I use a rolling backpack where I put all my things that are valuable in there, like my camera, my computer, and all that in that rolling backpack. And I keep that right with me. And if I'm in a conference and we're going outside to eat, I just take that bag and all my things with me so um, and keep it, you know, by my side. I think that's important. One thing that I was um, finding in some countries, they would ha- kind of give you like an armor bearer, people that they don't right. want you to carry your own things. Right. And so um, they – and this is this is how they want to serve you. However, if you're an American and having someone grab your suitcase that you don't know or grab your um, backpack that's got all your valuables in it and you don't know who they are and you don't know where they went, it becomes Mm -hmm. very disconcerting. Yes. (laughs) So my rolling backpack, you know, I can roll it, and it's not heavy. And so when I need it carried, it is heavy, but not heavy to roll it. When I need it carried, I make sure it's somebody that I know that's with us that's doing it. Hmm. So great. Yeah. Um, I think that it's interesting because um, Sharon has a parameter, never alone. Pauline's parameter is sometimes alone. And I think what's the most important for you to do as a listener is to pray through this and ask God, how is it that you want, you know, what are the parameters you want for me? And they will be different for every person. I mean, I know, you know, my friend um, Janet Prez Eccles, I mean, she's blind and she travels the world alone. And she says, but I'm not alone. Jesus is with me. You know, so I mean, she's blind. And so I mean, it's such a it's such another additional level of, of um, vulnerability there, and yet that's what God's called her to do. So the most important thing is that, A, you pray it through and set some parameters. What are your parameters going to be? I mean, maybe you are going to see if this is a great um, mission to fund and you have some financial sources, well then that's how you're going if you're going to mm-hmm. sneak yeah. at a conference and like um, Pauline, you know, one of your red flags was if they say 500 people, well we just went and spoke for 700, you know, so I mean sometimes oh. that's actually real too uh, you know 
to pray through them. What we're trying to as you're listening, is we're trying to just make you aware that when you're in Africa, you're not in the United States. It's not going to be the same. <laughs> One of the funniest things I thought was we were we were out in Katali, which is a much more rural area than we went to the capital, Nairobi of Kenya. And the big difference for me was that we had toilet paper in the outdoor bathroom in in, in the capital. Yes. Was out in the country, there was no toilet paper yes. in the outdoor bathroom. <laughs> so I think I thought we were in the big city now. So anyway, I think that you just have to expect that it's not going to be America. It's going to be very, very different from that. Pauline has put together an amazing packing list um, that was so helpful for our team when we went. Pauline, thank yes, you for yes. that. And we're going to post that along with this training program uh, for people. And Pauline, did you have anything that you've like added to it or that you wanted to, you know, make well, it? Yeah, let me see. I'm not sure if um, if all of these things are on there because I didn't look at it. But one of the things is I also, instead of the rolling backpack, sometimes I'm going someplace and I just need to take my, my valuable things with me and I don't want such a big bag, then I make sure I take an over-the-shoulder bag that also would be very difficult to steal. They'd have to take your neck off to get it, you know? <laughs> um, and... Um, I bring a light music stand, a lightweight music stand that can hold. I teach from notes, so um, many of I'm I'm short, and many of the podiums they have are very tall, or sometimes there's none. So I bring a lightweight music stand that works really well oh. for me to um, adjust it to whatever height needs. Even somebody else can use it. I can adjust it up or down. Then I also recommend bringing a scale to weigh your suitcases for your trip home so that you don't get to the airport and find you're overweight and you have to try and <laughs> unpack or do something at the airport or leave things behind. Um, and um, one of the things I think we didn't really talk about how to dress, but obviously both of you do skiing in the United States. I don't really. I'm mostly in do national, international speaking. And, um, of course, I want to dress appropriately. When I was in Pakistan, I needed uh, to wear the clothes that they had there, and I needed to cover my head. They have a whole different um, kind of culture there. But um, in Africa, I usually bring um, those skirts that are wrinkly. I just twist them up, tie them in a knot, put them in my suitcase. I don't have to worry about ironing them, and then I wear T-shirts. So I think that can be helpful. And then um, bringing in those antibacterial wipes, they come in little packs, like maybe 15 um, in a pack. I will use those. Like if I'm going to eat fruit or something, I'm going to wipe off, wipe off the outside of the fruit with that before mm. before I eat it or even before they cut it because um, not eating their local, not drinking their local water and even brushing your teeth with, yes, um, with bottled water is really important mm. so that you don't get sick, you know. Yeah. Good. And and I think just for a moment with the bottled water, um, that's just so important. Yeah. I know we were <laughs> we were able to get bottled water um many different ways. A lot of our hosts had some available to us. We were able to get some at the hotel we stayed at, but having bottled water is really critical, um, mm-hmm. because you just can't even brush your teeth with the local water. Okay. Uh our our stomachs just don't have the the uh, back the bugs or the the um, chromosomes or whatever the microbes to fight the kind of germs that they're used to having the kind of 
bacteria that they're used to dealing with. And so they don't get sick, but we would. So really important that way. And, of course, to take some time and spend time with an international travel doctor, um, get your yellow yes. fever and figure out what all shots mm-hmm. you need to have. And you need to start early on that. Yes. Some of those you can't just do like two weeks before. You have to really start early. Same with, the, you know, you need to check about your visa and passports and things like that early as possible. Let's go ahead and talk about um, greeting new people in a group when you don't have a clue what to do. Um, I'm going to just share what I kind of figured out along the way, Sharon. I'll pass it to you and then okay. Colleen will have you cover anything we missed. So what I found was we <clears throat> We were with people from five nations on this trip, and the people from different countries actually had different ways of greeting you. Some of them would uh, kiss you directly. Some of them would do a three-cheek thing. (laughs) So so what I learned to do, what I learned to do is just to wait. I would just come toward them, and then I would wait to have them show me how they wanted to be greeted, and then I would greet the rest of their group in that way. Sharon, did you have anything that you found that was helpful in that way? I, I noticed the same thing, that each one had a different way of greeting, and I, I made sure that I just hugged, you know. A hug is always good, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and bowed or whatever it was that I saw them doing. So that's the way I, I did it and made sure I was smiling because they need to see you smiling yeah. a lot. So. Yeah, that's so true. Pauline? Um, yeah. Well, many of these people I've been communicating with probably and mentoring on Facebook. So most of them I'm just ready to give them a hug and that seems to be okay. But um but I've been to other I've been to some countries where um they do the three cheek you know, the three cheek hug or whatever and I really like that. I feel comfortable with that. So sometimes people will do that and I just respond in the same way. Yeah. Um, even even there's times where I felt to give somebody a holy kiss, and it's just I know that's the Holy Spirit then when that happens, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think the main thing for me was um, just relaxing and realizing they're going to show me what to do um, if I don't know how to greet them. Right. A smile is always great, and a hug is always great, and then beyond that, you know, they're going to kind yes. of. Uh, push forward with their, you know, cheeks or however they want to uh, greet you. So I loved that it wasn't as hard as I thought it might be. Um, Working with a translator, um, there were some things that I noticed did not work very well. First of all, uh, (laughs) when you, like, have the five Ps of something, and that works in English when you translate, obviously they're not five Ps anymore. They're just five points. (laughs) that one actually took me a few times to realize, okay, right, this isn't working. And then another one that was interesting to me because I'm a songwriter is the rhymes don't rhyme. Oh. Uh, the rhythms and timings don't match when you're being translated. And yes. so that's okay, but you just have to recognize that that's how it is. It's not going to sound the same when you're telling a poem or singing a song. It's not going to have the same feel as it does when it's rhyming in English and another thing was the analogies I I was so it was so funny like I would say okay how many of you know what a dolphin is two people you know I was like okay okay let's try a different one you know and so many of the analogies they just have no idea what it's like and so when you're speaking with an interpreter there's not only the cultural barrier which you're just assuming that they know you know what you mean but there's also these specific types of things pauline anything come into your mind when you're talking to interpreter that you uh, give extra time or extra focus to well one thing as far as examples i i i think i use a lot um having to do with gardens and with 
the you know since I've been there quite a few times I'm getting a better idea of some of the things that they um that would they can relate to um so I use a lot of examples from nature um uh, because that seems to be helpful for them but um I think speaking in short phrases when I first went I even I usually have my notes pretty much all typed out. I even put like flash marks where I was going to stop. So, that, so I mean, as I went, as I went, of course, I was able to know how to do that easier without the flash marks. But um, uh, speaking in short phrases, and then I think just being aware of your interpreter—are they like questioning or hesitating? Yeah. Um, and then, and then if they are, then just you know, repeat what you said and maybe, or say it in different words that can clarify it for them. Um, I also tell the hosts that will they please have the people who understand English be also listening and making sure that Mm. the interpreter is interpreting correctly because sometimes they can't and they're not gifted in it. Mm. And so sometimes they will change the interpreter for you, which is they should do. And then you want to thank the one who tried. You know, you want to just be gracious and thank them for trying and for for, for interpreting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sharon, how about you? I loved working with the interpreter, especially the ones we had. We were really fortunate mm-hmm. that our interpreters were um, dynamic. They were creative, in and they knew the people. They knew the audience. So that was. Um, I think we were very fortunate. I love the way that you know you just do a few little sentences so it gives you time to regroup and change whatever you need to change for the next sen- next couple of sentences. So yes, one of the things the interpreters oh, I was going to say sometimes the interpreters are so good that you can give them a sentence, yes. a whole sentence of, of whatever. I mean, you, then you know you have a good interpreter when you have yes. that, but if they're not, you have to really break it down um you know, more careful. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we got in the habit of doing, too, was after we shared a concept to pause and to say, are you understanding what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say? And the interpreter would, you know, communicate that. Are you understanding? And sometimes they would be kind of like, no, not really. And then the interpreter, who did understand it, would uh, rephrase it for them. And then, oh, now they got it. You know, and you could see that difference. And it's worth it to um, take the time to make sure that they're tracking with you that they're really uh, following along. So that's really great. Um, Let's talk about tips and gifts. Uh, We talked earlier about, you know, becoming their, uh, you know, and uh, what was interesting to me is uh, Michael Wafala, who's the um, head over all this huge ministry that we went with over 3,000 churches in Kenya. He was saying that earlier a couple years ago or whatever, God had really convicted him that as pastors even, they can become a God to their people, that their People look to them instead of looking to God. And as a white person coming in, <laughs> definitely there is this um, this risk of you replacing God in their life, them looking to you for their needs, them looking to you for, you know, the finances that they need, whatever. There are some things that we can do that make that worse. There's some things we need to do financially. And so um, let's start with Pauline. Why don't you just talk about who you tip, how you tip, uh, when you give a gift and when you don't. Okay. Um, my focus is to raise and mentor the pastors and leaders. So um, I don't, most of the time I'm staying in, in a home 
And so we don't really tip. We ex- we expect them. Before I come, they know they have to host me. However, they can do that. <laughs> they have to do that. Um, this last time, we stayed a few extra days in one person's home. So we took their whole family out for a, a really nice meal in a nice restaurant. Um, in If I eat in restaurants, you know, sometimes I'll tip. Um, but they're... The amount of money that people make there is so much different than what we make here. If you're generous and you know you really want to bless somebody, you know, by all means, tip them. I think you have to know this from the Lord, too, how you're going to do that. Mm. But understand that, um, you know, you might be giving them a tip that's equal to their month's salary if you're not careful, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what I usually do is I bring CDs and DVDs of teaching and training material, and I give those to the hosting pastors. I do that at the end of the conference in transparency. I show everyone, and I um, I'll often bring like a tie and like um, bookmarks, things that pack that are light. Many times mm-hmm. I'll bring um, a hand towel, like a kitchen hand towel for the wife or or whatever, but. Um, I have a very limited budget. I have a small ministry. Um, I don't have a lot of supporters, so I go on really limited funds. And um, that that's kind of, you know, basically what I do. And I also make a big, a big announcement in the church, and I say, you know, I am not, this pastor's Mzungu. I am not their um, sponsor. I'm not their, I don't do that. I'm here to, I'm not, here to help their ministry grow. I'm here to establish the kingdom of God. And um, I'm not giving them any money. I won't be sending them any money. <laughs> and it's really a blessing because these pastors now are very, um, they have gotten so they're very, very open. They're willing to give my contact to other pastors. They're willing because they know they are, I'm not the person that's going to fund them. And they're willing to have other pastors invite me mm. and and come and teach in their place, and so that's great. So what and I heard you say, often, Pauline, what yeah. I heard you say there is the reason that they are willing to share you is because they aren't threatened that you're going to give away their money to someone else because there's no money involved. Yes. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Good. And, you know, I think you said one of the questions was, what is the worst thing that you can do <laughs> yeah. as a guest? And I would say, it's like, okay, I'm a thinking person. You know, when you do the Myers-Briggs, what are, what's, yeah. what's the forefront? If you're a feeling person, you better be careful when you go to Africa. Mm-hmm. You better not say what's on your heart because you're going to see situations that you want to help. And this can be really disastrous um, because recently I was meeting with a pastor and he said, you know, a lady from America came and she told me that she was going to sponsor our orphans. And we went to all these five. He actually took her to five different places. Mm. They got all the names of the children. They they had to get records um, from the teachers, from the government officials and everything. And they set this whole thing up. And then this lady decided that she can't do it or she's not going to. No, wow. everyone thinks that she is sending money to this pastor and that he's using it for his own purposes. Right. And this is what they believe. Um, they believe... Um, they believe that if a white person comes, you're getting money from them. And so I, that's why I make it very clear that I'm not giving anyone money. So. Yeah, there's a, there's a promise and over-deliver, and there's 
than when you're working in Africa. Um, definitely don't promise what you can't give. Uh, Sharon, what are your thoughts there? I also love to, <clears throat> like giving them books and, um, you know, stuff that they can use for resources and things like that. I, I agree. Money is dangerous. You know, once you start giving them money, then, but the guys that we um, that were our transport um, guys, we did help them with the gas and stuff like that. So there we did give money, and then at the end of the week, we gave him like twenty dollars or something for being so responsible and safe. And our transporters yeah. were taking us um, uh, sometimes two and three hours one direction. I mean, it was yeah. it, we were with them. We were with them a lot, and yeah. uh, like the one the one transporter we had never got paid at all. Um, he he was doing it all um, as a gift, and so uh, that was a that was a great joy to be able to do that. And again, we just kind of prayed through that and yeah. asked God for help and wisdom there. Good. Yeah. Well, on this last trip, I did that also. I mean, we had um, one that um, we were renting a with a fuel. Um, but this this young man was with us. He helped interpret and everything, and we gave him an appreciation gift at the end because because of that, you know. But then they know, um, and and he also was not paid. So many of these people, right, um, are actually volunteering for organizations, but the organizations aren't really paying them either. So. Right, yeah. Well, the last thing I want to talk about is just some realistic financial expectations for international travel. And I think from my own um, from my own experience and from what I want to communicate personally, and then I'll let each of you have an opportunity, what I, what I need to do going forward is to look at the entire uh, cost of the trip and then be prepared to cover it all myself, whatever they cover in the end, let that be the gift that I receive from them versus the expectation that I go in having. Um, I had to deal with on that. What was my response? But uh, it comes down to, for me, it comes down to, did God want me to go? And then provided for me to invest. And I would see that an international trip, you're going to be hard pressed to do it for under $2,500. Uh, 3000 is probably a, yes. a kind of a lowish um, a benchmark, and then five thousand would not be amazing at all to right. spend. Um, Sharon, what what is your thoughts on that? Definitely, um, I would also cover everything in case you know I would have the money to cover it, just in case it was one of those situations again where it got lost in the translation of their thinking and and stuff like that, where they thought they're going to pay for you, but then and you're going to do your ticket, but I'll reimburse you, then they forget to reimburse you, and stuff like that. So I would always be prepared to pay. And then have $1,000 cash on hand with you in case you can't get to a bank. Like we were in the bush, so we couldn't get to a bank. So it was handy having the cash on us. Pauline, how about you? Um, Yeah, so um, I find that the tickets are anywhere from 1500 to 25 to 2000 2500 visas around uh, 100 and the ground of transport depends on um what happens and for what the lord gave me as he said that um i'm responsible for the airfare and for the ground transport so um i uh, you know i i say preferably they find i actually move from one place to another um like i did 20 conferences um, seven in Uganda and 
the rest in Kenya. So I move from one place to another about every three days. And the people who are hosting me have to help me get transportation to the next place. And sometimes it's public means, but normally we try to find a car that someone volunteers and we just pay for the fuel. That's ideal. Or else we have to rent a car. So it just depends. And I have to pay those. I expect to pay those. But other than that, they they must um, provide the food and um, place for me to stay. But my costs for this trip for two and a half months were right around 5000 which is pretty good, I think. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. Yeah. So, but that's because they hosted me, you know, right. and so I right. wasn't staying in hotels and all that, and I didn't. Buying um, food every day, right. Right, right. They have. They also were doing that, so. Yeah. And um, that makes a difference. Yeah. I think the most important thing is as you're going into these kind of situations where you're outside of the U.S., you're really outside of your comfort zone as well as, well as your experience yeah. zone, where you just have to uh, be very flexible, be ready to roll with it. Um, you don't have to necessarily um, put up with something that is intolerable. If there is an option to do something different, uh, we found ourselves um, one day in a situation that was not okay. Um, it was we felt unsafe there, and we did we did actually uh, make a change ourselves and let it let it play out the way it did. And God was merciful there and uh, allowed everybody to just move forward pretty quickly. But uh, sometimes you're in situations where you can't do anything about it. Um, yeah. Sharon, you found yourself there a few years ago. Um, where you know you were you were sick, you were um, out in the bush, and and it it was not a good situation. But God carried you through. Yes, he, and, he uh, did, and, and I had no choice. So, yeah. you know, I just thought this was an amazing experience, and my level of faith in God increased. So, when we do travel outside of America, that's what's going to happen, and we're going to going to have a better relationship with God. It's just awesome. Mm, thank you and it was so fun so fun you guys to go with Sharon and also with um, Cheryl Geisberg we just had a great time it was really fun uh, Pauline for you and for the listeners we had not met each other face to face until we met in Amsterdam we've known each other online for years through womenspeakers.com and through our online ministries but uh, we met face to face first in Amsterdam but it was really fun how God just took the three of us and made us into this team and I loved how the Africans would describe it they would say you are three but you are one and I thought wow only God can do that only you know, God can take <laughs> three people uh, you know from New York and California and the center of the United States and turn us into this amazing uh, I just call them power team you know we just would uh, God would just orchestrate and dovetail things like that and so uh, to just I guess in closing, then, uh, Pauline, do you... Okay, in closing, Pauline, did you have any thoughts that you had maybe wanted to share that we didn't cover here? Well, um, you were talking about money, and I think it's a good idea. The people need to know they have to bring... um, The best exchange rate would be with $100 bills and $50 bills that are recent. Um, Some of them won't even exchange if they're older bills, so you need to... Um, be aware of that and also um, you can check where the ATM machines are and um, 
So it's important. That's a big issue, too, because I, I needed some money, and I couldn't find an ATM right. machine that I could withdraw money from. And so um, thankfully we were going through a city on my way somewhere else where I could stop at a bank that had that ATM, that had the visa to be able to withdraw from there. So those are some, you know, things. Um, don't bring traveler's checks. They don't work anywhere in Hilton, I don't think, anymore. So <laughs> I don't think so, no. Yeah, I love that. That's really great. Um, I think one of the things that I wanted to mention, and I just remembered it now when you were talking about ATMs, was the cell phones. Um, my my droid, my Android didn't work. Um, Cheryl's didn't work pretty much. Sharon's, your Motorola did work great. Uh, how about Pauline? What do you use for international travel? Okay, that was another issue too. Um, <clears throat> and communicating back home is um, so Hard. I. <laughs> Um, I I have an old Samsung Galaxy S4, but what you need to do is find out if your phone is locked right. by your provider. Now, um, did you the one that worked? Did you get a local SIM card to put in there, or no? Were you using no, it? I use T-Mobile, and it's an open phone because we go to South Africa every year. We need to be able to communicate back and forth easily. And honestly, I've not I've been I've had it for two years now. T-Mobile. And they are brilliant. I can be in the bush and still have service. Well, okay, but T-Mobile uses the same kind of system as they use over there. Yeah. Um, and so, but you Vodacom, were. Vodacom, so yes. is it is it very expensive for you to get calls over there? Not no, not at all. Twenty cents a minute. Unless I use oh. WhatsApp. We use WhatsApp, then it's free calling. Right. That's what I was um, going to say. I use. WhatsApp. I'm going to. And we're gonna we're gonna repeat that. It is the word what, the letter S, and then app like application WhatsApp WhatsApp. Yes. Okay, all right. So um, that's great. The other thing that um, Cheryl Geisberg Turner did was she had a little old uh, older little phone, and she did get a local uh, yes. card so that we could call the pastors locally on that. And she just got minutes added to that at a little kiosk um, that we found there. Yes. So. I mean that's another alternative as yeah. well, but just don't expect don't expect that you're going to go and everything's just going to work like you're in the states because it's just not. <laughs> and um, no. and I would be I would check with your your provider what they're going to charge you if you do use your phone over no. there because it's very very expensive. I know that Verizon, which I have, has a international plan, but that's still quite expensive. Right. And yeah. since I'm going to yeah. be go for a long time, I do need a phone that's going to be able to accept their card, their SIM cards and get a data plan and all that. But yeah. it's not that expensive if you have the right phone or if you can get yours unlocked. If your phone's locked and you can get it unlocked, then it can work. Yeah. So. I think the other the other thing to keep in mind is that everything there is going to take longer. So just getting like getting Cheryl's phone set up I think was about 90 minutes. <laughs> and so you know, you oh, just yeah. have to, just going to have to relax a little about your US uh time frame and <laughs> <laughs> not be so uptight about the minutes because you're in Africa, right? That's right. Uh, right. TIA, are, if the TIA. meeting starts at 9, 1030, you can expect it's going. Maybe it's going to happen. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Sharon, how about you? Did you have anything else that you were hoping to add here today? No, I think that um, Pauline had it covered very well. Oh. So. 
Well, this was this was super, you guys. I'm so grateful that you could come and help with this. There's so many things to think through, but yet God is calling so many uh, people to travel abroad, to speak, uh, to take a message um, where they have never gone before. And I'm so grateful for your help in preparing us to do that. So thank you, Pauline, for being here. You're welcome. And thank you, Sharon, for being here and for going with me to Africa. <laughs> and thank you, Moni, for the most wonderful experience ever. Oh, thank, oh, thank you. you. All right, you guys take care, and uh, we will chat again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. And thank you for being here. I've enjoyed this hour. We went a little over, but thanks for joining us, and I hope you'll come back and check it out next week when we have another program for you here at Marie's Friends. Have a great day. See you next time. Bye-bye.